Brothers and sisters, we are children of a good father. Amen? And because of who he is, it makes us who we are, and we are family. And I want you to think of it not just in this room, but right now. In Flagstaff, another beloved community is preaching this same message today. Flagstaff, beloved community, one of our sister churches as we launch into this new movement of churches. As we change our name, we're also doing something that is going to be exciting and scary at the same time. Every time we start something new, uh, it, it, it can be scary. So not only are we changing our name, but we're going to be planting a church in South Phoenix uh, together. So yeah, that's something to give God praise for. And I'm going to have them just stand in the back, but Juan and Tina, they choose to sit in the back. But if you can stand up, then stay standing. Don't sit down. Let's give them a big hand right now, right now, right now. Stay standing right there because I want you all to hear this from from me and from us as elders. As we are praying over them, we are not going to allow this time to be seen in any other way except for us sending our beloved family into a different neighborhood that needs to see the family of God being planted in a very a, a very profound way. And Juan and Tina and their team are anointed to go there and so um, as we head towards that plant they're already gathering around meals and worship and prayer they're already gathering around song they're they're praying for their community they're meeting I think twice a month right now in in different times if you want to know more about it and help enter into a discernment process if they if you are can fit on that team or if if it's a right fit to plant down there then I want you to go see one of them and set up a time to start that prayer process because we want to send them not only with support and blessing but with a community that can help launch what is going to be happening in South Phoenix. Juan and Tina we love you. And you are one of us. And we could not be more proud to see what God is going to do in South Phoenix. Could we stretch our hands towards them and just pray real quick? Father, I pray peace and strength. I pray, God, when they get the jitters, that you'd calm them down. Because I know stepping into something new can freak you out. I pray, Father, for boldness that comes from your spirit and by your spirit. And every person in this room that is being stirred to partner and plant, God, would you continue to gather this team that it would be sent in health and in fullness. And we thank you that we get to still be family, a beloved community, just in another neighborhood. We're so thankful. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's give them one more hand. Thank you, Juan. Thank you, Tina. If you have more questions, you are free to go and talk to them. And we're trying to discern what that looks like in each part of the town. Now, 
I will see right behind me, I, I'm, I'm going to try new technology today. I'm the one who really been pushing for this because I love preaching with uh, these kinds of uh, technology. So if it goes bad on me today, it's because I'm new to it, okay? Uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully it won't. If I envision what a beloved community is, there's no place for me to start except for to start with the word love. A beloved community is a loving community. If there's one DNA strand that flows through those who are the people of God, it is love. And let me just prioritize this so much that if you don't have love, who cares what you have? Yeah. Yeah. That this is not a throwaway that we get to debate about whether or not it is an important thing to have. If we envision a community that is called the beloved community, then love must be at the very center of who we are. Now, when I say a word like this, it's going to do something. It's going to stir a heart-level reaction. It's going to stir emotion. It's also going to stir sadness and brokenness in you because when you say a word like love, everybody nods their head because it's biblical, but then their mind starts to wander because there's not one of you in this room who has not been hurt by love. Now, I know some of you will not be honest, but I'm going to take a poll asking for your honesty. How many of you have had somebody you consider to be a dear friend and you sold each other, you loved each other, and you've been hurt by them deeply? Anybody? Okay, three or four of us in the room. I thought it was common amongst everybody. No, you guys got great friends. Either that, the ones that didn't raise your hand, you are that friend. Okay. <laughs> How many of you have been a part of something called a family, born into a family where there is a mother and a father, brothers or sisters? It's supposed to be a place of love, but instead you've experienced deep pain. Anybody? Seems pretty common in the room. How many of you ever gone to church before? Not this one. We've never done this. A place where they call you a family member, they call you loved, they declare over you the love of the gospel, and you've experienced wounds that you can't even articulate. How many of you have been church hurt in this room? Some of you are honest. I say if you haven't experienced church hurt, you haven't gone to church. Anybody dated before and been broken up with? <laughs> How about marriage? The, the most intimate place of love. Anybody been hurt in marriage before? Love hurts. 
One of the things that you have to understand is there are more songs, there are more musicals, there are more poetry, there is more books, there is more art, there is more lectures, there is, there is no more topic that has been talked about, written about, sung about than love. When I was in uh, New York for my daughter's girls trip we went to the nyc and i took my daughters to the their first broadway musical my daughter is going today to sing in a musical she she has a passion for it and and we went to uh, a move uh, to to a broadway musical called hades town have you ever heard of it before the interesting thing about hades town is is a greek tragedy that actually is about love and how beautiful it is, but it starts and ends the same way. It starts with a, a sad song, and then it ends with a sad song, and it starts the whole play over again at the end. And though it is a sad song, we know that love is so important and so valuable, no matter how sad it is and how many times we've been hurt by it, we must start the process over again. Because the very thing that causes the most deep pain in our life is the very thing we crave. That there is nothing more beautiful than love. And even when we are hurt, and even when we experience pain, the Spirit compels us to start the song over. Yeah. I'm going to give you some scriptures and try to underline them for you. Here's this word. Everybody say this with me. I'm going to, I'm going to get the, I got to get the pen out. I told you I'm going to, I'm going to get this down. Let's do blue just because I'm feeling blue today. You know what I'm saying? What is this word? Who are we? Beloved, let us. Who? One another, for love is from God, and everyone who has been what? And knows God. I want you to see those two words, born and knows. The reason this is important, it means this. If we are born of God, that means his DNA is in us. So not only do we know God, we come from God. His very DNA, we are born again. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. This is the big one right here. God is love. Here's This is important for us to grab a hold of if we're going to get something like this. When he calls us his beloved, he's telling us that we must love one another and we don't have an option. Otherwise, 
you're a liar and he's a liar. And he's not a liar. I want us to see this because in a book that I really enjoy, there is um, some important thing by Brian Loritz. It's the cross-shaped gospel. And he says this, church history has revealed that the force of the gospel has been severely blunted and lives negatively and lives negatively impacted when we have divorced the horizontal dimensions of the gospel. So this way, our need, I'm sorry, horizontal. <laughs> Erase it. Okay, so look at this. This is the beautiful part of making mistakes. Well, someday I'll figure it out. <laughs> horizontal. Our need to love one another from the vertical. Here we go. I got it right this time. Our need to engage God through his son, Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, this separation has become the norm. Here's what we do as the church. We separate things that are one thing. We take two things that are made one in Christ and we separate them again. You have two categories that don't exist. You have a love God category and you have a love people category and God says you can't have two categories. That those categories intersect at the cross. That when this is held up rightly, that in Christ, what we see is if you have a strong vertical relationship where you're a worshiper of God and you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And here is why. Because the very DNA of God, who is love, is in his family. And if you're born of him and you know him, then love is a part of how we treat him and one another. In order for you to live a hypocritical life, you must separate these realities. In order for me to remain a good hypocrite, I must say, I love God, but I'm not going to love these people. And separating those things makes you feel really good with God, except you just got to read the Bible. And this is for you practical checklist people. You're like, you know, love just sounds so mushy-gushy. I wish you could give a more clear definition of what love is. I mean, I would do it if you would make it real plain for me. Okay, so let's make it real plain. Love is, here's your definition, patient. Love is kind. Some of you have already failed your own checklist. <laughs> Love does not envy. It does not boast. Look at these words. 
doesn't envy, doesn't boast. It's not proud. He lost all of us there. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. <laughs> this is going to mess a bunch of you up. It keeps no records of wrong. you got a long list. I'll forgive, but I'll never let that list go. I'll remember. Here's another thing. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Here is what this text is telling us. For all y'all checklist people, I can see why you've come up with another checklist. Because if you look at this definition, we all... have failed. We've all fallen short. So here's what good hypocrites do. Good law-based people do. We come up with our own definition of love. Love God. When you love God, you read your Bible a lot. You attend church every Sunday. You try, try. You don't have to be good at it, but you just got to try to pray once in a while. You tithe. You better tithe. <laughs> Can you see our religious checklists have nothing to do with love? Most of you measure your Christianity by a measuring stick that you've created so you can live up to whether you are a Christian or not. You know what? I'll attend church semi-regularly. I'll, I'll, I'll give and read my Bible, and you even call it my word. I'll just get in my word every week. It's God's word. You didn't know that? I'll tithe close to 10%, maybe, if I have enough. Romans 12 gives you the marks of a true Christian. The marks of a true Christian. If you want a measuring stick of how you know if somebody is a Christian, I want you to see if you find tithe, church attendance, and reading your Bible every day. I'm not even saying those things are bad. I just want you to find it in the Bible. Here's what the marks of a true Christian. Let your, the first thing, let your love be, everybody say this word, genuine. <laughs> this one's big because it means you all can fake love. You can call things love that aren't actually love. Yeah. Let your love be not just 
I love you, but let it come from a deep and genuine place. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to one of good, love one another. I want you to see this. Love one another with what? That word is familial, meaning this. When you love the church, it should be like you love a family member. That's a mark of a true Christian. The way you see the people of God is as family. That's a mark of a true Christian. Doesn't mean you don't get along, you get along all the time. It doesn't mean you have uh, everything's easy. It means that you see brothers and sisters in Christ. And you love each other that way. And then here's one outdo one another in showing honor. If you have any competition in the church, it's who can honor the other person more. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. I have to, I have to read these quick because I can't preach all of this today. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thoughts to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, if possible, if possible, so far as it depends on who? Not them, you live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to leave it to the wrath of God, for his vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Some of you have a struggle trusting God to have your back, so you're like, "Hey, uh, you're too gracious." Brothers and sisters, if we see what love is, it starts at the deepest parts of your heart. It's depth of DNA. Love is not something you try to live up to as a measuring stick. It's something that flows out of you because the DNA of Christ is in you. When you make love a measuring stick, how many of you could admit, and you all better raise your hands. How many of you could admit, that measuring stick I cannot do in my own self. I have failed it. I have fallen apart. I have dropped the ball. I have done all kinds of things. When we keep looking at love as something we have to live up to, we miss that love is this perfect thing that never fails. And the only way we can live into that is if you realize the love of Christ is so in you. It's in your DNA. It's, it's in who you are that you cannot live in any other way. You, the beloved, have a genuine love that is convicted and pure and it's familial and it's passionate and it's tested, meaning it can go through stuff. You have a love in you that opens your doors and lets people eat a meal with you. 
You have a love in you that goes out to enemies. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I got a better time getting along with people who are enemies than I do with Christians. And I just say, you're probably an enemy. Because the reality is God doesn't let you skip the family and get along with enemies. But it doesn't let you just love the family and not love enemies. Love is so big that you try to truncate it. To make it more manageable and attainable. And you try to put it in this, this, this box. But brothers and sisters, this kind of true mark of Christianity is what God's original design and intent. And if you read scripture and if you lean into it, there is a spirit-filled way to respond and there is a legalistic way to respond. A legalistic way says, well, I'll just try my hardest to do the best I can. A spirit way says, what is in me by the power of the spirit is going to bubble up and bring forth fountains of love that does not come from my flesh. That if you ever see this kind of love coming from me, you better not pat me on the back because I did not want to do it. I got one amen from my brother over here. He pointed at me. I'm pointing at you, brother. This is, this is true. You know it. When this, cuff, when this love comes out, you better not start patting yourself on the back like you something when you know if it was up to you. The problem is when we, when we look up, and measure ourselves by love, we always feel like a failure, and then we constantly give ourselves room not to live by the Spirit. In this beloved community, we are going to call you to live into God's original design and not let you settle for concessions and exceptions when God says, this is love. And when my spirit is moving amongst the people, here's what you have to know. If you're going to want to live in a, a loving community, you're going to have to learn that the gospel is a different path than many of you try to walk. The J-curve is by Paul Miller, but I want to use this today because here's one of the things I think many of us think. When we come to Christ, we, we, we're like down in the dirt, and all of a sudden, we meet Christ. And people tell us, man, when you come to know Christ, He's going to take you up to the high places. And then all of a sudden, Following Christ looks like the path of Christ. Here's what you have to understand, that if you're going to follow the person of Christ, you're going to have to follow the path of Christ to get the power of Christ. If you're going to follow the person of Jesus, you're going to have to follow him on his path, and his path 
was not straight to resurrection. That was a temptation from the enemy. Throw yourself off this cliff and I'll give it all to you. Jesus says, no, my father has sent me to walk a path towards the cross. A downward death to experience a resurrection. If you want to walk with Christ, who is love, you're going to have to get realistic about the person of love, the path of love, and the power of love. Meaning, you will never experience a love that doesn't require death. Death is at the center of true love. But resurrection power comes when we experience a love that comes from the power of the cross. It, it is this constantly laying our lives down, following Jesus, taking up our cross and following him. And, and here is where I want us to get, if we're going to really walk on this path, I want us to get realistic about what this loving community is going to have to look like. It's a calling to us. To die. To die to boasting. To die to selfish ambition. To die to always being right. To die to pride. And to live through the power of the resurrection. So there's a couple things that I, I, I want to do before we take a moment to pray together. And that would be this. This month is Black History Month. I'm sad that there's only one of you that did A, okay? And I know who you are, girl. Thank you for not leaving me up here. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to give you a better chance. This month is Black History Month, eh? And the contribution, the sacrifice that has been made by our brothers and sisters for generations is giving us an opportunity to remember someone that actually inspired us to name this church Beloved Community. It's all over Scripture, but a man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. popularized this phrase or this Beloved Community idea. And I want you to read a quote from an article facing the challenges of a new age written in 1956. It says this, but the end is reconciliation. The end is re redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love 
that can transform opposers into friends. It is this type of understanding, goodwill, that will transform the deep gloom of an old age into an exuberant gladness of a new age. It is this love which will bring about the miracles in the hearts of men. Notice the type of love he chooses where opposers become friends. Brothers and sisters, what we went through in 2020 was horrific on all kinds of levels. It was deeply saddening for our world to face a pandemic. To see the sickness and death that was happening around us, all kinds of fear. But what I think breaks the heart of God is the way, and I'm not going to point out there, I'm going to keep it in this room, the way we couldn't even love one another because we had different political views. And we became more loyal to the DNA of our political parties than we did the DNA of Christ. I sat in a room with pastors these last weeks, horrified over what's about to come in 24. And can I just help you with something? If you think what we're about to face is gonna be easier than what we faced four years ago, your head's still in the sand. Right now, what is needed more than ever before is a beloved community. Who can be family and walk in love with those that the world says they're on the other side. Can I just tell you, you can't do it. You, you, you can't do it with the pressures of this world and, and the, the forcing to choose sides and the, the split and the divide that is happening within our world and not just our world because the world only knows how to split. Our churches are divided. And they will know that we are his, not by our political party. They will know we are his by our... Okay, you read your Bibles. Thank God you shouted that. Now, I want us this year to put on love like, like a garment... And cast off pride. Because everything in our world is going to do what it did four years ago and try to split God's people, not just in half, but in pieces.
But a beloved community is defined by love. And when I say defined by love, here's what I mean. What is love? God is love. You want a definition? God is love. Love is not God. God is love. And you can't know true love unless you know God. And if you don't know God, you won't know how to love. Not only is he the definition, it is our identity. Brothers and sisters, you are beloved. Which means your identity is I am loved. Can, can, you, can you confess that? Say I am loved. I am loved. I am loved so I can love. It's our identity. And because it's our identity, we desire it. Meaning we should crave it, we should hunger for it, we should pray for it, we should constantly be bringing it before him, we should lay down ourselves, we should be having a robust prayer life, we should desire it, but you want to know what else we should do? We should commit to it. We should devote to it. Meaning, who cares if you say you want it if you're not willing to commit and devote to it? You think you're going to live by it? The minute you faced any tribulation or pressure, you'll cave. In this time of prayer, I'm going to ask us to do something. It's a beloved community. We are the ones who know love and born of love. We are marked by and identified by love. We desire love and we're devoted to love, which means right now is a perfect opportunity for the Spirit of God to start exposing to you ways you need to walk in love. So we're going to take a moment while the band just begins to play and when they're not going to sing yet and I want you to pray and maybe there's some people within the room and places around here that you need to pray with. And I would encourage you to to not just pray with someone who is easy for you to pray with. To pray with people who are different, that push those realities. And then as you deal with the personal ones, here's what else I want you to do. I want you to pray this year that the Lord would be a, begin to strengthen us by His Spirit in love as the tensions of our world and culture and church and political arguments and theological debates as all these tensions arise God would allow for love to cover us 
to indwell us, to be what we're marked by. That this would be a place where we hold each other accountable to love. To walk in our true identity. We have uh, about 10 minutes. So if we could turn the lights off, I'm going to turn it back to you. I want you to, to stay seated, but then the minute God puts it on your heart to maybe move into praying with others, I want you to move and begin to pray. Then in just a few minutes, the band is going to lead us in a song together. But I want you to start personal and then move to communal. And then I want you to pray together for our nation because we've got so many things that are going to try to divide us. Let's pray that love would mark who we are.